Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Mondo Show. I cannot wait for you to get backstage access with me. John Cooper is going to be joining me in just a few moments. Behind me is the stage, and he's getting ready to perform. But before he does, he sat down with me to talk about culture war, family, and, and about the future of Christianity. But more than that, we talked about the gospel. And we gave you an opportunity that if you don't know Christ, he shared the message of salvation. So stay tuned with me. John Cooper is about to join me. Watch this. Listen, I've been watching you for a long time, and I'm amazed of how vocal you have become. Mm. What made you speak up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, wait, are we recording? We're recording. Oh, we what are recording. It? Okay, I don't know what? if we're recording. You, like, know, you know why? <laughs> Do you want the short version? Because <laughs> if I say three, two, one, then you have to have your uh, John Cooper face. I get like that. I want the real yeah, John. No, no, that's what's good. I was like, Man, I just felt like we're at a time, it's a different time than 10 years ago. I mean, speaking up for Christ is always good and always right, but we're at a different time when it's like, it's all or nothing. And if you don't speak up, I felt like we may lose our, you may lose your chance. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I kind of always felt like if I was, uh, you know, when I watched Gladiator, remember the movie Gladiator yeah, or, or whatever, Braveheart, you know, and I was go, man. Would I be one of those people, and if it, if it was my time, a Corey Ten Boom, you know Corey Ten Boom, oh, right? Oh, I love. It. As a matter of fact, did you know that Corey Ten Boom prophesied? You believe in prophecy? I do. Yeah. She prophesied over Springfield, Branson, the Ozarks, oh. and she said, "This is powerful." I'm surprised you brought her up. Yeah. You must read a lot. I do read a lot. Yeah. Well, she prophesied over the Ozarks, saying that the greatest revival in America will come from the Ozarks. Really? But it was going to take people that will stand for their faith. Interesting. Wow. So talk. I'm, I'm surprised oh, but, you said. I'm yeah. surprised that your age, my age, most people don't know Corinton Boone. Oh man. Wow. Yeah, she. I, I mean, like you even more. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you said my age and your age because you're older than me. Yeah. We just decided that right for three three months. Three or, months. Or All right. Um, well, yeah. I mean, when I read The Hiding Place, yeah. you know, Corinton Boone, I thought, man. Would, would I do that if it was my turn? And we all like to say, Ooh. oh, yeah, yeah, I exactly. do that. But you don't know until you're in it. And part of it is not just having the courage. Part of it is having the eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like That's if, it. If I knew that I knew that I knew that it was on the line, I know I'd have the courage. Would I know that it was the time? Would I have the spiritual eyes to see what, what God is doing, what the enemy is up to, and it's time to be on the line? And I just said, you know what, man? There's nothing more important then putting it on the line for Jesus. I've always felt that I had the courage, but I didn't know when the time was. It's time. So I say that to anybody watching. Yes. I don't know what they're going through in their work or, or your kids, college, or your, your job. I don't know what's happening, but it is the time for us to go, all right, now it's do or die. I appreciate you taking time in the middle of your tour to talk to me because I've always felt God's timing has to be perfect mm. because I, I'm, I'm all about timing. Right. I'm not about, oh, let's go get an interview. No, it's got to be God's sent. It's got to be God's timing. Mm. 
And I'm all about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm old school. Right. But yet we are living in modern times that you're right. If we don't stand up and understand God's timing, mm. we're going to miss our great moment. But I got to ask you this. Behind us is your career, right? right. <laughs> yeah. It's everything that puts you on the map. Mm. Great songwriter. Your delivery is phenomenal. Mm. Every person that I get to meet, and, and they always talk about you, about how great of a showmanship you do on stage mm. and awesome. your passion for music. Why did you want to risk everything that you worked so mm. hard for up to this point right. to speak up? <laughs> Because right. not only cancel culture, but Christian culture has a way to cancel you if you say too much, if you get out of the That's lyrics. That's actually true. So what made you risk it all mm. and say, you know what? I have my career. People are coming. They're getting blessed. I'm still ministering. I'm still putting out my, right. my calling out there. But I feel like I got something more to say. And when the pandemic hit, John Cooper, not Skiller, not mm -hmm. the band. Your voice seemed to arise from the ashes, so to speak. What made you say, you know what? I'm going to risk this thing because I got to mm. say something. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of answers. The, the, the truth sets people free. We know that, right? Yeah. And once you see it in somebody, you're all in, you know? With music, you remember the story in the Old Testament, I'm sure you will, maybe people listen to mine, where uh, uh, King Saul is being tormented by demons, mm -hmm. right? He can't sleep. Yeah. And he says, I, I need a musician to come and play, right? <laughs> I need a musician. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I need a you musician. You know your Bible, man. I'm, I'm, let, I, I keep saying that, but you're right on. Wow. I need a musician to come and play. And they say, well, there's this young kid. Um, but he's full of the spirit. Yeah. And he's a man of war. That's a young David. That's not King David, that's a young David. And this is a young David that said, well, you see, when I was watching my sheep, <laughs> a lion came in and I had to fight off a lion. I saw God, I saw God raise up and I, got, I fought a lion off. And then a bear came in after my sheep and I saw God faithful. You know, this is this, is this David. So David comes in and he begins to play music for King Saul and the demons leave. I guess I'm saying that story because music is power. Yeah. Music is supernatural. We don't know where it came from. So we don't know, we don't, we don't know when the first time some created being, angel or whatever. Yeah. We have no idea in eternity past. When, when God created this, has this always been happening? Has there always been a song? What I know for sure is that the anointing, the power of God on music is so real that, that, that we have a chance to tell the truth in a song or on a stage tonight yeah. or on a video with Mondo or a podcast. <laughs> God is, I think that God wants to use the voices of all sorts of people, but there's something about music that's powerful. And I just said, you know what? It, it ain't about a business. It ain't about whatever. God's doing something new. Wow. And I've, and I've got to I've got to put it on the line because there's so much chaos and the word of God is is deep but it's simple. That's and it. we're making it 
We're making it too hard. Remember when Jesus said, if, if you want to come into the kingdom of heaven, you got to come in like one oh, of these little kids. Man. Listen. And it's just getting so wow. complicated. Wow. But it's You're, not supposed to be. I get excited because, man, the last year, I just, that's been my message, that's been my prayer. Mm. I've been in ministry for 26 years. Mm. I've traveled the world sharing my story, my testimony. This kid that God saved from East LA gangs and everybody wants to share it. So hear your story, wants you to share it. We have complicated the message and mm. it is so simple yet theology and, and, and everything that comes with it has tarnished the message. And I had to check mm. myself. Right. And I said, God, I want to fall in love with you. I don't want to change your message. I don't want to deconstruct your message. Mm -hmm. I want it to be the simple message that reached me. God yeah. loves me. Repent of your sins. Mm. Man, That's we get it. in trouble for that now in the church. <laughs> You're not allowed to say sin. Yes. That's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Oh, I'm, I'm so man. tired of this stuff. You know, I, I said this recently. I usually don't quote myself, but I'm going to quote myself on this. I thought this was good enough. The only man that quotes himself. <laughs> I never quote myself. That's pretty good. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it's because I was talking to somebody about all this deconstruction. They're like, yeah, but you have to be able to, um, to ask these complicated questions, and maybe you just aren't willing to go deep enough. And I said, hey, here's the thing. Childish faith is not childish. Ooh. They were acting like it's childish. Like, oh, no, you got to get to a bigger place to where you can now be like a grown up and now you, I'm like, no, no, no. You want to come into the kingdom, you come like one of these little ones. You come in like Abba Father, yes. Daddy Father. Ooh. I have nothing without you. I can't make it on my own. Yeah, yeah. I have too much sin. I can't save myself. I don't know nothing, but I'm, I trust you with my life. You ain't gonna outgrow that. And all this deconstruction nonsense. I know there's a lot of different definitions. I get it. But 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 the, the uber negative, negative side, which is this, let's begin to pick apart things that you shouldn't be picking apart. I, I was talking- Is that where we're getting in trouble? That's where we're getting in trouble. We are, we're redefining things. So not, some people don't understand that deconstructionism in its original form. What deconstructionism is, is, is postmodern. Postmodernism doesn't believe in absolute truth. So deconstruction, literary deconstruction it was called, it's an idea to say, there's no truth in a text. Yeah. So we could read Romeo and Juliet. And I could say, oh, I see what they're saying. This is about class warfare, this yeah. is about class. And you could say, well, you don't know that's what it's about. That's what it means to you. But we don't know the intent. So there is no absolute meaning in it. And all of a sudden you start getting into the Bible and we go, well, we don't really know if this, if this, if. And all of a sudden the Bible just comes completely subjective. And it, 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 and, and it can mean one thing to you yeah. and something completely opposite to me. And in the, in the end, you're making complex the words of Christ, which are not complex. It's, I'm the way, yeah. I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father unless you come through me. Ooh, That's that, not that, complex. I gotta ask you this, because what you just said right there is what is creating this culture war. Mm. Not only within the church, but outside of the church. Let's begin with this. What is the definition for culture war? Because pastors don't understand, evangelists don't understand, the church itself doesn't even understand there's a culture war taking place. Mm. I go back to Matthew 24. 
the greatest message, prophecy that Jesus ever gave was Matthew 24 to warn us about the signs before he, come, before he comes back. He said there will be wars and rumors of wars, yet that is not the end. When I look at wars and rumors of wars, I don't look at just Ukraine and Russia. I don't just look at Taiwan and Japan. I don't look at all the Vietnam War, all these wars. But I look, also have to look at the cultural war that is taking place. Mm, that's interesting. What is culture war? Mm, great. That's a great connection you just made. Uh, uh, very insightful. I think what some people don't realize, when they, sometimes when people in church, even pastors, who are got great hearts, well-intentioned. We're talking about the good guys here, yes, okay? Yes, absolutely. You know, um, but sometimes I think they think, well, cultural war is, is nothing more than me saying, I think we should be able to wear black. And you saying, ah, I don't like black. I like, I like purple. And, and we're, we're arguing about taste. Mm. What they don't understand is that behind each culture is a worldview. But, but behind every political decision is a worldview. It's going to come back to something that somebody says, I believe that as a first thing. So when we stand up for the unborn, well, I guess you would call that culture war, but we don't see that as culture war. We see that as life. That's it. Because God, God creates life. That, this isn't just some theistic God that just set in motion that when a, a, a sperm and the egg come together, that, but that, no, no, we believe in a God that creates life. So that doesn't become a culture war issue to our minds. That becomes a, an issue of Christianity. So what I encourage pastors on is, is, is to understand that this culture war stuff in my view is a clash of gods. It is a war between gods. We have, we have Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, yeah. the one who is sitting on the throne now as we speak. Well, he's our God, but the world has a God too. And, and what I see as this war happening now is really about, is Jesus Christ gonna say what is right and wrong, wicked and, and righteous? Or are we gonna let the secular culture do it? And right now, even a lot of Christians are letting the secular culture do it. We look at the secular culture and go, yeah, but they say that, just to keep talking about abortion, yeah, that's yeah. one that most Christians agree on. They say, yeah, but a woman should have the right to choose because women have really been oppressed. And, and boom, now you are under you are under a different God at that point. Yeah. You're, lo you're listening to some of that. To me, that's what I view at when I look at the culture war. Have we made any advancements to be involved in the conversation or do you mm. still, do you believe or maybe feel that we need more? We need more people mm. to get involved. We need more people not to be afraid to accept the wrongs. I love how you talked about it in one of your podcasts just recently. Hey, listen, I'm willing to mm. talk about the wrongs that America has done, but mm. also I'm willing to talk about the nows. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the church stands according to the thermometer of should we get engaged even more or are we yeah. failing to get engaged? I personally think that we are failing to get engaged, but I do agree with something you just alluded to. We have to, in my opinion, mm -hmm. we have to engage in a better way than we have in the past. So it's good to look at the past and admit the things that, that your own parents did wrong, your grandparents did wrong, not as a shaming of them, but say, I love them. They love me, they were doing the best they, they knew how. We need to learn from that. And that's what I see happening right now is that we just want to throw everything that the church is, well, the church did all this bad stuff and they, yeah, the church did do a lot of bad stuff because the church is made up of 
people like me and and everybody listen we all sin and we all we don't have perfect motives we are becoming more like christ the holy spirit is doing a work in us so let's learn off of what they did so if i can have some hopefully words of encouragement for people i would say yes we need to get involved but we need to get involved for 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 good motives and that's not go america that is that we want america to how do you want to say it pay tribute to the laws of god because the laws of god are going to bless everybody in it it's going to be more freedom for everybody even for the pagan you know you see i'm saying so if you adhere to the law of god whether you believe in christ or not it's just like you go back and you read proverbs even if you don't believe in god but you do what the law demands you will be blessed i mean that's just deuteronomy uh that's that's command that's the blessing of, of keeping the covenant so you may not have a heart that wants to keep god's law but you may outwardly do it mm-hmm. so for instance a man and a woman get married and then they have a child well they're going to be more blessed than a man and a woman that have a child before they get married you see what wow, i'm saying they're wow. going to be more blessed than a man and a woman that have a child and the husband leaves because you are not obeying the law of God. So for us, this isn't just, this isn't like go America, go red, white, and blue, even though I'm quite, I'm quite patriotic. The point is, is that when America um, adheres to the law of God, then America will, will be blessed. So I say get into it, man, because it's gonna be good for everybody. But another thing, last thing I'll say about this, Christians need to do a better job of, is even if conservatives win, yeah. I, it's not that I'm voting conservative. I want to vote for righteousness. And conservatives need to do a better job. I shouldn't say conservatives. I should say Christians <laughs> need to do a better job of yeah. saying, this is why I'm voting for that. Se- sexual purity, yeah. sexual morality, loving uh, the family because God loves the family. We are promoting righteousness, not just promoting some sort of republicanism or conservative ideas. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about pleasing the Lord. John Cooper, the the father, mm. the husband. Who is he? <laughs> I, I just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary. Ooh, 25, 25. <laughs> we can we gotta go 25 more. There you 50. go. <laughs> um, you know, I love being married. I have two kids, 19 and 16. I was just hanging out with a brother backstage today. He was and he said he's got young kids, and he goes. What are the teenagers like for you, for, for your kids? And I said, bro, by the grace of God, I will take no credit. My kids love God. I don't know why. My wow. teenage years for my kids were, are, have been amazing. My kids love Jesus. That is, that is by his grace. I love being a dad. I personally believe, I believe that the Bible teaches, you know, uh, what was it? In Genesis, we are, God says, go and rule and subdue the earth. We still have a mandate to do that, right? We still, as Christians, we are to go into the world and we rule and subdue it. And everywhere we go, as the Bible says, everywhere we go, the yeah. kingdom of God is, is yeah. with us, right? Yeah. He is giving us more and more and more and more because the earth belongs to the Lord. The earth doesn't yeah. belong to the devil. So the kingdom of God is with us, but I believe that if you want to be a man who rules and subdues, you have to begin with your family. Wow. If you cannot Ooh. rule and subdue with your family and, and covenant under God, it's under his rulership, of yeah. course, under his rulership, 
and you and th 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 then you're not going to get more because that's how the kingdom of God works. Here's what you have. This is your domain. I now rule it. it. Mondo rules it, and then God says, oh, "Okay, now I'm going to give you a little bit more to rule." And then you rule it, and you say, "Before the Lord, I did it." And He goes, "Good. Now I'm going to give you more talents." That's the parable of the talents. Wow. I got to so, tell you so something. Right. You people used to say, "If you look at the kids." you will know where the heart of the father is. Mm. As a father in this age, how do you guide your teenagers through all the social media oh pressure, <laughs> all the cultural pressure? I mean, it's it, being a Christian is one thing, but just being, just being, it's, it's, it's pressure. How do you guide? And it's changing so fast. That's it. Right? I mean, if you're a parent, you gotta be, <laughs> You got to be finding out every week what's the new thing that my kid's going to come and ask me. I mean, when's the first time that you, for instance, I'm not being mean to anybody that struggles with stuff. When's the first time you even heard of transgenderism? I, I remember the first time I heard it was from President Obama. Yeah. When he was saying, instituting these bathroom laws, I was like, what, what is this? I've never even heard this word before. You have to keep up with stuff in a way that I don't think you had to 10 years ago. You got to no. be on top of it. Yeah. So I would tell I would tell parents, yes, I do agree with you. That, that's how you know. That's how you know. I think it's reason it's a qualification for eldership in a church. The kids have to be behaved. You know. Now you can't control your kids in terms of what, where they go, but that's a qualification for eldership. All right. But every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, the Bible says. Oh, so, so hey, if my kids are turning out good, that's a gift from God, but I gotta do my part. So I do think parents, you gotta get involved. You, you can't stay out of the culture war. You have to at least read about it, understand where it's coming from so that your kids have a biblical worldview mm -hmm. so that they understand, for instance, going back to abortion. It's not just that you want your kids to know abortion is bad. You got to tell them why. That's it. How much more? How much more beautiful is it that our that every single life that is created is created by the fingerprints of God? Mm. That He decides this part of the DNA, this part, this color hair, this. Yeah. Uh, he decides every single thing because the Bible says that. Uh, David says He knit, God knit me together in my mother's womb. Wow. That's every life. That's not just banging on a kid. Believe in. Abortion is bad. Here's why. It's because he is not a theistic God that just set it in motion and left it. He's a God that gets involved. That means he is personal. And that means that I can know him. I can know the name of God. I can know what he's like, his attributes. Mm. Man, teach that worldview to your kids, people. I, I know you got to go. And I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. And, I could and talk to you all day. I, mean, I feel like I've we'll known you for going. <laughs> we, we just I feel like I've known you. I really do. I, I mean it when I say I'm proud of you. I thank you for my kids' kids in the future, for our generation, for you risking everything for God. Mm. Oh, I love soul you, winning. Yes. I'm a yeah. soul winner. I believe the church has lost the passion to soul win. Mm, and, I think you're right. And I want to tell you something. I've been convicted once again. God reminded me it's all about soul winning. One more for the kingdom. One more. <laughs> Can I ask you to take the next two minutes, three minutes, to do a salvation message? Sure. Because if, if this may be the last time someone is watching and they're at that crossroad, mm. I want them to know that there's a heaven. And culture war doesn't allow you to say that there's a hell and there's a heaven. They want to exclude hell from heaven, from the conversation, mm. yet hell is real. Where we end up, 
I don't know about you, but when I got saved, it became so real. Mm. I wanted to have one more. I wanted to bring one more into the kingdom. I fell in love with this idea of God forgiving my sins, that how can I repay you? It's go back to where I come from, go back to the streets, go back to whoever I meet and let them know that there's still hope. Do you, do you feel that way? Maybe Absolutely. I'm just crazy. You are crazy in all the right ways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are crazy. I love it. No, I, amen. Let's amen. do it. Can we win some souls? Sure. Do you want I, I want to give you the me, next. Look at the camera. Just look at the camera right, and one. just give me a salvation message that you have in your heart for that person watching. I would love to. Because I know you got to go and you're going to be ministering to thousands tonight, but there's that one person watching right now that is getting ready to commit suicide, that one person that is getting ready to leave mm. their family, walk away from ministry. We're watching our, our fellow ministers fall like there's no tomorrow. Mm. I've never seen it. I call it an epidemic, mm. yet the gospel still works. Amen. So I'm going to shut up, give you the stage, and just minister to All that right. one watching. Well, I agree with you. It is an epidemic as well. I think one of the things that Mondo just said that's really important if you're listening, he, he just said a second ago that in our culture, you are not allowed to say there is a hell. There is, you're not allowed to say that. And the, there's a reason for that. The reason you're not allowed to say that is because in our culture, we have been taught to believe that I'm good. I'm a good person and I do good things. And uh, you know, if I had my way, the whole world would be amazing because I'm a good person. But the Bible actually says something very differently than that. The Bible says that every single person, that's me, that's Mondo, that's you. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if you still don't believe me, let me say it like this. If you think that you, that you are good and your neighbor is good and I am good, here's what I would just say, look around. Like, how is it going? How's it going for you? How's it going for you after COVID? The depression, the anxiety, we have the highest suicide rates. Listen, in American history, the highest suicide rates. Anxiety rates are up. The most self-reported loneliness in 60 years. And I just want to mention this because this blew me away when I read it. What this means is that there were people who lost their husbands or their fathers in World War II, all right, we're talking about a, a, a dark period in history, and even after that, they self-reported higher levels of happiness than teenagers do today in 2022, in a country where, for the most part, people are not starving to death and things like that. And in a time of much more peace than what we had 60 years ago, you have to ask yourself a question, why is that happening? Things actually are not going good. I am not okay without Jesus. Mondo's not okay without Jesus. You are not okay without Jesus. So I would just appeal to you, think about that question. How is it going for you? You need a savior, because you are a sinner, just like I was a sinner before I met Jesus Christ, all right? Doesn't mean that I'm perfect now, but what it means is this. Jesus died for my sins. He paid a penalty on the cross for my sins, and then something amazing happened. He didn't just forgive me, Jesus Christ, ooh, this is so exciting. He sent his Holy Spirit in my heart, and he gave me a brand new heart. And that means that I begin to love the things that God loves, and I begin to hate the things that God hates. That means I don't like the stuff I used to do, because now I like new things. And these new things, the Bible calls righteousness, 
peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, and He will do the same thing for you. But if it has to begin with this, I'm not a good person, it's not going very well, and I want to repent for my sins. I believe that Jesus died on a cross. I believe He rose from the dead, and I want Him to not only forgive me, give me a brand new heart, make me a brand new creation. That's what the Bible says. If anyone is in Christ, He is a brand new creation. He will do that for you as well. There you have it. John Cooper, author, podcaster, father, husband, minister of the gospel. Appreciate your time, John. I love, I love you, man. Thank you, brother. Let's do this again. Okay. Let's, let's do, do it, it over coffee or something, <laughs> but we got to go remember, no matter what you're going through, keep the faith. It's going to be all right. Out. Oh.